Welcome to the Real Estate Secrets Podcast for healthcare professionals, hosted by Austin Hare and Nathan Palmer, who together have over two decades of real estate knowledge and investing. This show is about sharing lessons in commercial real estate that were learned from trial and error and working directly with CEOs of billion-dollar healthcare organizations. Our mission is to teach the insider strategies to everyday healthcare operators in order to get access to the best real estate at the best prices. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. We have a special guest today, Gary Bird. He is the founder and CEO of SMC. They started in 2008, and they specialize in helping DSO group practices grow. So, Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having us today, Austin. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, 2008 is a long time. You guys have been doing this for over a decade now. How did you guys get started? Tell us a little bit about the the story of... um, you know, how you decided to find found this organization and, and how it was growing. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's actually, we started in a uh, down economy. Um, 2008, if you remember, was uh, the big downturn. And, uh, and we, you know, we, uh, I actually had a, a, a well-paying job and uh, um, I was much younger then. And uh, so I said, hey, now's the time to start a business. And uh, at the time, email marketing was really popular. <clears throat> it was just not a lot of people were doing it. And I started going door to door, um, signing up uh, restaurants and all kinds of different businesses um, to help them grow um, by reaching back out to their customers. And um, over time, um, that developed into um, meeting different kinds of businesses. And eventually, we bumped into a dentist. Uh, that dentist was able to go from doing about $90,000, a month and over a span of about a year or two. Uh, they were able to grow to over $400,000 a month and they told some of their friends and eventually um, we split uh, the company. Uh, there was, I had a partner at the time. He took his half of the company and uh, everything that was kind of non-dental and then we, uh, we continued on and uh, um, uh, we had, uh, I would say about, that was about five years ago um, and we started to just add you know, dentists and group practices. And eventually uh, a lot of those dentists started DSOs or started to expand. Um, and that's been over the last couple of years. And um, yeah, now uh, during uh, COVID, we've actually doubled in size and we've also, our team's also doubled in size. Wow. So um, we've, we here in this kind of weird downturn, upturn that we're experiencing, we kind of went hundred percent in once again. And, uh, and we've been experiencing some massive growth, which has been awesome because that means our our clients and uh, our team has been experiencing growth as well. Okay. And so let's backtrack a little bit. Um, you said that you had a good paying job. You decided to switch. What were you doing prior to this? It sounded like, so 2008 was when you started going door to door. Is that what you're considering the start date? Yep. I actually had a, um, I worked for a textile company. Um, yeah, are you familiar with that? Uh, they, they do like, uh, 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 like uh, mats and towels and uh, uh, things like that at, at restaurants or auto mechanic places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing um, that full time. Uh, it is a weird, a weird industry, but um, it, it, it's a very uh, lucrative industry. Okay. And growing up, I mean, were you entrepreneurial at all? Did you start like any side hustles, anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely was. I was always uh selling candy and, and doing different things like that. Um, so I've, I've always loved just 
getting out and doing new things and, and trying. Um, I actually did uh, mortgages for a couple years before um, before I worked for a textile the textile company. Um, and uh, I, I tried my hand at insurance. Um, I, I tried a bunch of different things before we jumped into to marketing. So how old were you when you first like tried your hand at making money for yourself? Man, um, when I when I was I was pretty young actually. When I was um, uh, must have been seven, eight. Um, I uh, I started really getting out there, and uh, uh, I, I remember actually I won the competition for selling the most candy for uh, Boy Scouts. So um, I <laughs> from an early age I was always just getting out there and getting after it. Yeah, you know I think it's really interesting because a lot of times you. Uh, you hear a story of like, you know, just take Airbnb, for example, and it just seems like, oh man, like this guy had an idea for an app and he like had this brilliant, this stroke of genius. And then all of a sudden, bam, he's just super successful and he's a billionaire and he's so lucky. Right. But really when you look at the story and you see his life, like he has a history of success, like he has a track record of success. And I think that it can be intimidating, you know, like a lot of times I find myself looking at people like that and saying like, oh, well, look, now when you know his story, you realize, well, he started when he was like five <laughs> yes. and it's like, how are we ever going to catch up? But I think everybody has their own story too. You know, if you've achieved sort of any level of success, we all kind of started earlier than we thought. And it's really fascinating to see people's different paths that led them to where they are today. Yeah. We all, we all started somewhere, right? We don't all just start off with a, uh, with a company and uh, definitely a lot of different, um, opportunities and, and I, I believe that hard work really creates opportunity if you work hard and, and put your put the time in and, and really try to grow um, that opportunity will arise so what was it like you know when you first started I mean you said hard work were you putting in like 12 hour days I mean what did life look like yeah so we would do um, work all day um, you know go out there chase accounts down figure out at the time um, I was just learning um, about business learning about um, how businesses operated. Uh, my main selling pitch was, we're going to make your slowest day your busiest day. And, and then they'd say, how are you going to do that? And we'd say, we're going to collect your, your clients' emails, and then we're going to email and communicate to them about things that we have going on during the week to get them to come back. And, uh, and it worked really, really well. So we'd go out all day, collect those emails, data entry those emails, um, and uh, there, was, there was no electronic you know, forms for people to fill out yet. Um, and, uh, we would, uh, have people, uh, we would data entry those, we'd make the emails. Um, and we would, I would do that all at night. It was just me. And then, um, and then, uh, we got during the day and go hustle up some more accounts. So, um, over time we began to add team members and began to add services. Email kind of went away, obviously. And, uh, it's probably like as a, there was a lot of different options and became electronic. Um, you could pretty much do it yourself, but by then we were, jumping into social media and SEO and, and websites and those kind of things. Well, and what do you mean when you say email kind of went away? Um, email, well, so when, when I got started in email, there wasn't a lot of options to do email yourself. So this is right as like constant contacts came out like right after that. But it was the, a lot of the clients that I had didn't know how to use it. Um, there was actually a technology gap there. And again, you couldn't, now you can just go into a business they take your email and electronically enter, enter it in right there and put you in an auto drip campaign. There was no such thing as that back then. So, mm. Okay. So people are still using these techniques, but it just doesn't give you the competitive edge anymore. 
Exactly. Yeah. There's now back then we were seeing view rates on emails at 70, 80% because there was, <laughs> there wasn't as many uh, emails coming in. Now, now we're looking at, you know, 15%, 10%. Yeah. yeah I was going to say like a 10th of that. Um, yeah. Man. Okay. So um, yeah. So I, I think obviously email is still an important piece of it, like you said, uh, but you've got to adapt and you've got to pivot. So when did you guys start kind of pivoting away? And, and I know you mentioned social media. What exactly did that look like? Yeah. Um, so we really, um, when we, we got, when we started working in dentistry, the main thing that we um, were able to help with was patient flow. And, and one of the biggest struggles that we noticed right away in the industry was consistent patient flow. So we had a lot of dentists that were successful that knew how to treat their patients, right? Knew how to um, get patients to return but they couldn't scale as fast as they wanted. So they wanted to want to bring on a, um, an associate or, or other team members, but they needed the patient flow to support it. So what, what we figured out how to do is provide that consistent patient flow um, through uh, online marketing. Um, and, and at that time, actually, the thing that actually gave us the big opportunity is a lot of people were just starting to quit Yellow Pages. So people would have a five, $10,000 monthly budget with Yellow Pages, and they would say, hey, it's not bringing me the results that it used to. Let's try digital. So there, that's kind of where the budget got freed up to, to, um, to really be able to push the uh, lead generation. And very quickly, we realized that there were some holes um, in, holes in uh, um, how patient flow uh, went through the office. The first place that we discovered that was on the phones. So what we did is um, we started to implement phone tracking um, and then phone coaching. And this is where we discovered that the average dentist loses 50 uh, to 40, 40 to 50% of their marketing new patients are lost on the phone right away. So that means if you're spending $1,000, every $1,000 that you spend, you're losing $400 to $500 of that on the phone first shot. And um, so what we, are the reasons for that? Well, that's a great question. So the reason for that is the people who are at the front desk typically in the dental office, um, if they do a really, really good job at the front desk, they usually get promoted. So there's usually a lot of um, turnover and moving people up the ladder, so to speak. Um, that's number one. Number two, the front desk is actually, uh, especially in a growing office, is asked to do a lot. Um, they have to check people in, check people out. Uh, they're going to do insurance verification. They're going to, um, anytime somebody needs something you know, for the patient, um, as far as, you know, again, on the checkout, check-in process, um, they're going to be the, the go-to. Plus, every time the phone rings, they need to answer it. So um, it's very, very easy to just cut those conversations short. And again, you don't need to lose that many new patients um, to, to really just drop down to that, you know, 60 to 50% range. So with a couple techniques and a little bit of accountability, um, we've seen dental offices consistently hit up into that 90, 92 is kind of the high side of that conversion rate, which makes all the difference in the world to actually converting um, good ROI when it comes to your marketing patients. The other thing that we also noticed was we saw really, really quickly that there was a need for um, internal um, tracking. So dentistry is really lacking in their practice management softwares. Um, it's just the way the industry is right now. You can't get the data that you need a lot of time. There's a lot of co-mingling of data, meaning um, if, I, if you say, hey, how'd your marketing campaign do last month? 
most practices will just be able to tell you, well, we got this many new patients and we think this many came from over here and we think this many came from over here and, and really don't know what levers to pull. Um, and so we developed some systems and some software to help us be able to measure not only what's coming from marketing, but how the patient is performing uh, with the doctors, how the t uh, treatment coordinators are, are performing. Um, are we recarrying these patients? And again, without commingling the data. So um, I want to know what's our recare rate for marketing patients, not for all of our patients, right? And that makes a huge difference. Mm. Okay. So, um, and was any of that related to like HIPAA or, or privacy or, any, or anything like the fact that you weren't able to get good data? Uh, no, I think, I think what it is, is um, I think what it is, is that dentistry only got involved in marketing not long ago. Um, if we would have been having this conversation 20 years ago, there was dentists weren't, I, weren't allowed to market. They, I, it's just recently that wow. dentistry really entered into the marketing world. Um, there was all kinds of local regulations against how big your font could be on your business cards, how big your signs could be. Um, and that started to change um, uh, and, and really began to shift. And so dentistry is fairly new to marketing. Um, if, I mean, you're in real estate and uh, uh, if you need a software to track things, that software exists. If you go into auto, uh, the auto industry and you look into marketing and tracking, I mean, everything's already built in, everything's ready to go. In dentistry, the, the management system that helps you track everything inside of dentistry and all of your patients really just can't pull data out the way that you need to, um, to be able to, to give you the metrics that you need. So um, that's, that's something that's crucial to be able to make educated decisions on the next steps of, should I spend money over here? Should I spend money over there? Um, should I uh, focus more on my phones and get my phone conversion up? All of those things are totally necessary to be able to be successful with marketing and to be able to scale. If you want to open your second, third, fourth, fifth office with confidence, you need to have consistent patient flow, especially if you're doing a de novo. Um, and that's something that we've really honed in on and uh, help our clients to know with confidence what your cost per lead going to be, what your cost per acquisition going to be, and you can, we can know those numbers as we walk into the de novo and we can crank up to, you know, 50 to 100 new patients month one. Okay. So it sounds like a lot of people are maybe able to get leads, maybe not very many, but a certain amount. And then they're just dropping the ball when it comes to answering the phone. So would you say like just creating a script is one of the first steps in making sure that there's consistency there and they're not losing so many of those leads? Absolutely. So scripting is number one, but really scripting by itself doesn't, is, it'll always drift back to the, we, we've tested this. Um, we've, we've tried to implement scripting and then just kind of leave it there and see how it measure conversion and then come back to it and see how it does in three to four months. And what we've noticed is pretty much everybody kind of drifts back to the way they want to do it. Um, so accountability is really the most important part of it. Scripting, you have to have the scripting but then holding people accountable and giving them a baseline, you have to be able to measure success to be able to hold people accountable to that success. So um, that's where we come in. That's what we pride ourselves in. So we know what every person's conversion rate is just for marketing. Um, and that's, that's really a key stat. And we want, again, we were aiming for that 90% conversion on the phones. Okay. 
And so then let's go, let's talk about leads. Um, what do you guys find to be most effective right now? Like what strategies are you using to get leads in the door? Or I guess I should say leads to call. Good, good question. So there's, there's a couple different ways that a patient comes into an office. Um, and, uh, um, understanding that process is, is crucial to being able to generate uh, a, a large amounts of new patients. So the first thing someone's going to do is they're going to hop online and they're going to type in the word dentist or, or you know, filling or crown or whatever they're going to search. Um, and we're going to pop up, our practice is going to pop up and we want to have a lot of Google reviews, right? If you, now what happens a lot of times, this is an easy trap to fall into. If, if we're both dentists, right? So it's uh, uh, Dr. Austin and Dr. Gary and I have a hundred Google reviews, five star, I think I'm doing pretty good. But if you have a thousand, guess, who, guess who's gonna get the bulk of that, that business that, yeah. that right away. So it's really, really important and something that we strive for all of our clients, we haven't hit it for everyone, but we're striving for it, is to be the number one rated dentist on Google. That is, that is crucial. Um, and, and, and being For your able area to, or what do you mean, number one on yeah, Google? Just, just locally, just locally in your, in your little corner of your town, right? Uh, where, where you're going to be popping up. Um, so the average dentist is usually pulling from three to five miles away. Um, and then again, that's different maybe for certain cities and rural areas, but, but in general. Um, and so just, just being number one rated dentist on Google, or at least being in the conversation, right? Um, so that's number one. So that's the first thing that a patient's going to look at. They're going to look at proximity. So being in the right location is really crucial. If you want to be on the way to school or you want to be um, on the way to work, something of that nature. Um, and so just being in the, in, in, the, in the right traffic flow is huge. And that's something that we do a lot of research on. Um, oh, so you actually help with site selection? Um, I, I, wish, I wish we were uh, that advanced. Um, we, what we do is if you give us an area, Austin, so if you say, hey, Gary, is that, what do you think about this area? Would you open up a dental office here? We'll look at the competition and then we'll look at uh, the, the, where traffic flow is happening. And then I'll, I would say, hey, this is a great location. It's low competition. The dentists that are there don't have a lot of Google reviews. It seems like there's a lot of traffic going from this direction to this direction. Uh, it looks good. Um, and so I look at it from purely from a marketing standpoint. Um, and, uh, um, now on the flip side, if, you know, there's, everybody has a thousand Google reviews, um, it's really, really competitive. We, we could still market there, right? So we have clients that buy sites and ask us, Hey, sh you know, make this happen. Um, and it just, it just costs more money at that point. Now, yeah. kind of have, it, you have to take, I think you take marketing and you use that in your selection to where you're buying. And you, 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 it's part of the equation. It's not the whole equation. Yeah. hundred percent agree. You know, um, the, your, the rent that you pay your site selection should absolutely be factored into your marketing budget somewhat. Cause you know, some people will, they'll find a building. It's a third, the cost and rent. And so all they're looking at is the numbers and then they will find out that, you know, like, let's just say, um, because it, it's a, it can only, rent can only go up so much. Right. So, paying 3000 versus paying 10,000 feels like a lot of money because it's triple the amount. But in reality, you're looking at $7,000 a month in difference, right? And that's, that's about the maximum amount. And the question is, can you offset that $7,000 by having like a really, really good location? Like we have to spend $7,000 a month less on marketing. And a lot of times, you know, the answer is, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to get a lot more patients than that. And so, yeah, we try and do the same thing. We try and help coach people like, you know, you got to look at all these factors. Um, you know, 100%. rent, rent is important, right? Like you don't want to pay way above market rent, but 
how is that going to directly correlate to the new patients that you get? And so, yeah, it's really important. We, we actually coach people to do retail, a lot of dentists uh, and just healthcare in general, like they like to do office, you know, it's traditionally how it's been. We really like to coach them in, in switching from a retail location and then more specifically, which retail locations, right? And I like that you mentioned a market uh, competitor evaluation because that's really important. I can't tell you, it doesn't matter what industry it is. I mean, I used to own gyms and, you know, we thought the same thing is that, hey, we don't have competition, right? Like we're, we're different. Like, yeah, that's not really our competition. We don't really do that. Way. And everybody kind of thinks that to an extent. And so it's like, well, you might have a niche and you might be a little bit different and that's all very true and that helps. But at the end of the day, like, you know, with something like dentistry, if you've got one practice for every 500 people, I mean, yep. it's just going to be really, really difficult. It's going to be driving business. In certain areas, you'll notice you can have towns where the doctors are much more savvy with their online marketing. And, uh, and to your point, too, um, the, the, your selection of paying, you know, if you're going to pay an extra $2,000 for rent, which, is, like you said, that's a lot, um, but you're going to get 40 more new patients a month. That's only $50 a patient. I would, I would take that all day long, right? For just people being able to walk by compared to putting an office behind a fast food restaurant that nobody's going to see. You're not going to get any walk-ins and, and people are going to struggle to find it. And it's not in that normal traffic flow. Um, that's actually one thing that we've seen in the cities, Austin. And I'd be interested to see, hear if you guys have kind of heard the or seen the same thing is we're seeing in Seattle, Portland, um, uh, Denver, New York, Houston, pretty much every major city, LA, every major city center that, that you can think of. Um, we've seen that dental practices that are set up there um, have taken a massive hit because the people who live outside the city that used to commute in are no longer commuting. They're working from home and they're doing Zoom meetings like we're doing now, right? And so what's happening is, is you've lost that patient base and now you have to go build a new patient base. The good news is, and this is what we're seeing, is you, there's people who still live downtown and their habits are all being changed as well. So it's almost like you have all brand new move-ins. They're going to a new grocery store. They're going to you know, the new a different coffee shop and their, their buying patterns have changed, which actually creates a lot of opportunity for the dentists that are located downtown. Um, I'd be interested to see here if you've seen anything like that. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I haven't heard it worded that way. Um, and so it just sounds like it'll be a giant rotation of old patients for new patients, which is interesting. Um, you know, typically we don't work in um, like super, super urban areas. You know what I mean? Like right close to the downtown area. A lot of times we're working on the outskirts, like a little bit around the suburbs and that sort of thing. And so in general, you know, it's just, it's been hard uh, just because of COVID. Um, you know, all the restrictions, you know, the who came out with their guidelines and said that the industry was like the most dangerous place to go. You know what I mean? All this, all this crazy types of stuff. But it seems like a lot of um, practices are able to recover, you know, to what they were, their kind of revenue pre-COVID or if not, if they're not 100% there, they're at least getting pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've noticed what we've seen is obviously COVID hit. So you're, you're, you had dentistry that's been like this forever, right? And you got the, the recare patients coming and you get your new patients in there and pretty steady and then all of a sudden COVID hit so you put to zero and that means if you were seeing 300 patients a month total right those all didn't recare six months out so that was uh April right and then and, and it's different different in different parts of the country it might be in March or it might be a little bit later in other parts of the country and so what happened is six months from April which would put us in November um you October November 
you had those patients weren't recaring. But what happened right after COVID? Remember, business went back up and everybody had those monster months. So what, what, we're, gonna, what we're seeing happening is everybody's kind of booking for that monster month from mid-November, December, and then into January. And then guess what's going to happen again? It's going to go back down. So you have, instead of having this very consistent mm. flow like this, you're going to have a spike and then down and then spike and then down. And um, we're, we're obviously, uh, you know, benefiting from people contacting us saying, hey, help us with our marketing. But a lot of the problems that people are facing are actually internal uh, recare. And, and that's one of the biggest problems that we're bumping into and helping doing a lot. We're doing a lot more internal marketing to help get those recare patients back and get more into that steady flow. Um, and that's what we're aiming for for this next year is to kind of balance that out. So it sounds like you've gone full circle because it kind of went to explicitly like internal, you know, emails into almost focusing on digital marketing and external marketing. And now it's a combination of both those together. Yeah, exactly. When we, when we work with somebody, we actually have, we have a pretty unique approach. So we have uh, several uh, marketing coaches that we figure out, okay, where's your hole? How can we close that hole? And then how can we hold your team accountable to that hole? So we have an internal marketing coach. They help with reviews. They help with um, internal um, uh, patient referrals, external doctor referrals for like ortho and different things like that. Um, and then we have a phone coach and then we have a treatment presentation coach. Uh, we have a social media coach and uh, we also have a patient flow coach. So um, we try to hit it from every single angle um, to close whatever the gap is. And then again, it's really about creating transparency and then consistency through accountability. Um, and and that's, that's what's worked really well with us. And the best part, we don't do contracts. So everything that we offer to our clients is month to month. And my, our, our, our company, why the reason we do what we do is we love, we are passionate about helping people grow and helping practices grow and really helping group practices, put the systems in that they need to be able to expand their business. Mm. No, and Gary, that's great. And I, you know, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a lot and there's just so many facets to it that you don't know. Right. So if people like what they're hearing and they want to get in touch with you, I mean, what's the, what's the best way to reach out and make contact? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you could give us a uh, contact us at SMC National um, and reach out to us there. Our, uh, our website has all the information of what we do and how we do it. And, um, and we have a lot of free resources as well. Um, if you like the phone scripting that we talked about, if you go to call, C-A-L-L -L dot training, um, call dot training, that has all the scripting that we use for our clients. And also a big question that we get a lot of times, and so I just made some videos about it, is concerning um, ROI, like how to track ROI, what do I need, what, what softwares do I need, and, and, and all that good stuff. So I created a site with several videos on it. Um, it's a three-part series. Uh, it's ROIDentist.com. And cool. uh, those, are all, those are all free. I'll, I'll, drop the, I'll grab the links from you, and I'll drop them in the show notes for everybody who's watching. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks very much. Thank you. Appreciate it, Austin. You have a great day, okay? If you need help finding the perfect location for your practice or you're ready to invest in commercial real estate, email us podcast at leadersre.com. That's podcast at leadersre, R-E as in realestate.com. Or go to leadersre.com and fill out our form. See you next time.